Welcome to Athletes on Balance, where we talk to athletes, coaches, and experts about mental health and sports. This is a stigma-free zone for inner thoughts and outer conversations. We're helping athletes and anyone with mental health challenges perform at their best on and off the field. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Athletes on Balance. I'm your host, Walt Norley, the founder and CEO of On Balance Health. Today, I'm joined by former University of Alabama football player, Jimmy Johns. As a high school quarterback, Jimmy was one of the top college recruits in his home state of Mississippi. During his senior year in 2004, he was named Mr. Football, accounted for 44 total touchdowns, and led his high school team, Brookhaven, to a state championship. He would go on to play football at Alabama, where he was primarily a running back. In 2006, he was named the Crimson Tides Special Teams Player of the Year. Towards the end of his career, Jimmy switched over to linebacker. While at Alabama, he was affected by episodes of depression at various levels not, and not understanding why he was having these feelings of doubt and hopelessness. Over time, with educating himself on mental health causes and symptoms, Jimmy worked hard to build his life back together again, understand how to treat and cope with these issues, and ultimately turned his life around. This past May, at the age of 35, Jimmy earned his bachelor's degree from Alabama, a remarkable accomplishment to finish what he started. While balancing his education towards the degree, he has worked in retail corporate management, and now with his degree, he is exploring new opportunities in his professional career. Um, doors are certainly opening up for him. I've talked about this before. This is a cause that is near to me as I have managed a bipolar disorder for over four decades in my business life. And looking back, perhaps since my early days as a quarterback at Ohio state and the university of Georgia, I've been looking forward to this conversation with Jimmy. His redemption story is a powerful one. Jimmy, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, man. Good to see you. you. Good to see you. I understand that you were especially close to your grandfather and he meant a great deal to you. Um, you understandably battled a strong sense of loss following his death in 2006. Can you tell us what you went through from a mental perspective after he had passed? Yeah, uh, just kind of set the background. My grandfather is one that, that, that raised me. Uh, I grew up in just, I mean, grew up, in Southern Mississippi with my grandfather, uh, he had nine kids. Uh, my mom was the oldest and they kind of raised us. We grew up, you know, kind of poor, you know, didn't have running water, uh, had an artesian well. Uh, I saw my grandmother, uh, you know, grow a garden. Uh, every morning we would wake up and, I mean, cut pulp wood uh, from the age of 11. So my grandfather, he instilled the values in me of hard work. He was always there for me. Um, all the way until I got to college, my sophomore year in college, uh, that's when he passed. And, and, you know, at that age, you think about someone passing, you think your grandfather, you think that he passed of old age or something like that. He had a car accident, so it was sudden. Mm -hmm. And it was sudden, uh, sudden loss. And, and you, you, were, know, you were sophomore then, Jimmy? Uh, going to my sophomore, yes. Well, I was sophomore going to my junior year. Yeah. Of college. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's that's when things kind of started going, going haywire because he's that physical, um, 
you know, physical person that could, you know, help me with the choices and decisions that I make daily. You know, someone I can lean on. Uh, someone tell me, hey, boy, you know, you, you know you're know, you wrong or I get a bet on you or, you know, just keep me in line uh, physically and, and mentally. And, you know, when I lost my grandfather, a lot uh, a lot of me left, you know. Uh, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why I felt the way I felt. I didn't know I was going through what I was going through um, until, you know, things really, really, really started to spiral. So would you, would you say you went through a depressed state? I mean, I, I'm sure you didn't think about the word depression, but looking back on it, do you feel like you were going through depression? Of course. Uh, of course. And, you know, just looking back, hindsight is always 2020, right? So you can, I mean, it's my hindsight is 2020. So being able to go back and look at it, I know when, when it started, um, you know, I could tell the change in me, uh, doing things that were were out of character to make myself happy or to feel happy on the on the outside. When you know, most of my journey or uh, the most of the pain was coming from the inside. So, did you do any? I mean, did you go? Did you seek help? Did you talk to anybody about this, or did anybody identify that you were going through this? Well, personally. You know the culture, the culture that I grew grew up in. You know, it's it's a uh, it's kind of taboo to to you know if you're not physically hurt to right. to act hurt. Right. Um, but I can, you know, I can speak on the University of Alabama and Coach Saban and the people there recognizing uh, that I was going through something. It did, and also getting me the professionals there to uh, help me with those problems, you know. Uh, at that time, you know, I thought speaking with people, speaking to a psychiatrist uh, uh, about your pain and, you know, the thing that you're going through, I didn't think it was very popular. I didn't think it would, it could help you, you know. Uh, but luckily I had people there that cared enough and showed enough compassion uh, that got me the help and started, you know, started to give me the help that I needed uh, to grow back into the person that I was meant to be. But you, but, you know, go, going again through this, uh, this thread of that timeline, when you were going through the pain and you were doing things that were, you know, not the norm for, for you and your character, you know, you've spoken publicly about what happened in June of 2008. Um, could you share with us, you know, what led to that and what were the ramifications? Um, I think that I think. Well, I know that Coach Haven always talks about that we have choices and uh, decisions and cause and effect. You know, uh, having my grandfather there my entire life, I was afraid to. Or, uh, I didn't make make the bad choices. You know, I didn't. I didn't. Didn't hang with the wrong crowd. I didn't. Want, I didn't. Um, you know, make irrational decisions because I had someone there physically to uh, to stop me. You know, physically to to catch me from making those mistakes. Uh, when my grandfather died, I didn't have 
someone per se in the person to stop me and, and, and grab a hold, a hold of me like you used to. Uh, so I started to reach out to anybody, started to reach out to um, um, different areas and did, you know, start hanging in the wrong neighborhoods, wrong crowds, and, uh, you know, started to, to peddle and stuff that, that I had never done before. Um, and, and it cost me a lot. It cost me a lot of time. It cost me a lot of, um, um, what, what happened, what happened specifically? Was there one event that led to, you know, what, what, you know, that led to, you know, imp, you know, imprisonment? Oh, uh, I think, I, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a snowball effect of making, making the wrong decision, making the wrong decision, making the wrong decision. Because at one point in time, I, I wouldn't go to certain places. I wouldn't hang in certain places. I had a, a fence built up to keep myself from uh, making those choices. Um, and that led to, hey, I'm going to hang out in this place. And, and from hanging out in this place led to me meeting the wrong people. And, and right. when I met the wrong people, I started to, you know, do the. So it's a snowball effect uh, from, you know, just making that first wrong choice, you know. Um, but it led to me, I, um, you know, I want to get uh, getting a 15 year sentence, uh, with one year, uh, to split, uh, one year time to serve in prison. Um, uh, and, you know, in that time I was prepared for, uh, mentally, physically, um, and, and spiritually also, um, you know, it was very, very tough, but it made me realize, uh, my actions and my decisions don't affect just me. They affect everybody around me. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I didn't just have to go through that, but my team had to go through it. My my mother had to go through it. My my son, uh, I just had a son. His name is Jimmy Johns Jr. You know, so uh, he had to go through it. But you know, through it all, I made the decision to you know make it that he never knew about. You know, uh, to to turn the leaf, uh, and I think that. You know, having having someone strong in your corner, having co-saving there to protect me, uh, to never turn his back, uh, to always have to always uh, support me in everything that I did. You know, uh, he's the first person to show me compassion. Yeah, we were very fortunate for that. Well, look, I I I'm, I know it's a painful memory, and um, so I appreciate you sharing that. You know, let me ask you this. I mean, this is obviously a twenty twenty hindsight. Um, which you just referred to, if you had to talk to, uh, you know, go back in time and talk to Jimmy at 21, what would you say to him? You know, listen to listen, pay attention. Uh, because it was signs, was always signs there and take the help, you know, take, take help. Um, you know, I had, I had help offered to me to where I was, uh, able to go talk to people about the issues that I was going through, about the death of my grandfather, about being depressed. And I didn't necessarily take it well uh, until later, later on into it, uh, which was too late, you know. Um, so I would, you know, I would, I would tell myself, you know, just be able to Try to learn from the mistakes of others instead of trying to have instead of having to go through it yourself, you know.
You you mentioned earlier um, your son Jimmy John Juniors. I I understand he's a, a a talented linebacker at your alma mater, Brookhaven. Um, he he's in a different generation, right? I mean, it's a it's a different world from you know when you played. Certainly, even back further when I played. Um, I, and I know you recognize it because of your own journey in terms of being sensitive and insightful for what an athlete goes through. Right. And again, with this generation, it's, it's different than yours. What kind of message do you, do you convey to him in terms of trying to avoid uh, some of the decisions you made later on when you were at Alabama? You parent until kids are grown. There's no age limit in that. Um, you know, in my community, my culture, it's kind of a weird rule when, when, when guys turn 18 and grown, when girls turn uh, 21 and grown. You know, and I think that in adults become adults mentally, you know. So I try to advance my son not only physically, uh, working him out physically and, and, and training him physically, but also just mentally, uh, taking him different places, taking him outside of the country, uh, getting him a passport, letting him understand what customs are, um, you know, teaching him how to navigate through the airport. Uh, I want him to understand that you know there's a different there's a different world um, you know there's several different nations um, and I want him to, I want him to, to understand that it's life outside of America and that you know we live here and it's a privilege to live here when we go to other places and we see the struggles that they struggle and, and um, you know the the standards of living are just different. You know, and here right. at home, we got an opportunity to grow uh, past whatever our father is, you know. In some countries, if your father is a farmer, that's what you're going to be, you know. But here in our country, um, you know, we, we have an opportunity to be whatever we want to be. And, you know, I want my son to understand that. So it's not so much of a physical thing with him uh, like it was with me. Uh I want him, I want him to grow mentally. So he, he's very prepared mentally for life. And I think that that's that's where uh, the gap was uh, with me. So each generation has to get better. And uh, it's not so much as, you know, him playing football, but him using his talent to get to uh, to get to a better education. How do you manage the um the word on the street that he might be a better football player than you were in your prime. Uh, you know, I commend it. I, I want him to be better than me. I want all my, all my, uh, my kids to be better than me. Uh, yeah. You know, I want them, to, you know, cause what are we here for? You know, I asked Coach Saban one time, I walked up to him and uh, we got a great relationship. And I said, Coach, you know, 50 years after you, you're gone and you come back, if you can come back, you know, what message would you want people to have about you? You know, uh, and his answer was that he made the people, the people around him better, the people in his life better. Uh, so I kind of live by that also. You know, it's not just about me, but I want them to grow. I want them to be better than, than I was at his age. I know he's more mature than I was at his age. Um, and you know, I see that throughout the town. People come up to us all the time or walk up to me and tell me how good my son is and, and how respectable he is and, you know, his right. manners and, 
you know, that's the most important thing. You know, football is just a vessel, uh, it's a vessel for uh, to get us farther in life, right? Um, if you, I talk to him all the time. I'm 36 years old. I turned 36 in June. And, you know, son, if you play ball 10 years, if you graduate with 23, 22, you'll be, you'll be 32, 33 years old. And that's a great career in the NFL. But you got so much life after that, you know. Um, and that's what we're trying to prepare for. Not just, not just, uh, football, football not just football, right? But life after football. Right. Oh, that's, 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 you're, you're a good dad. That's, that's good advisement. That's good parenting. Let, let me go to your, if you don't mind, let me just go backwards a little bit for, you know, go, going through the hardship and then, you know, coming back up, getting back on the, on your feet. Um, you, you, you came out of prison in 2011. How are you mentally, uh, coming out of there and going back into normal civilian life? Uh, so I wasn't prepared for life. Uh, I was prepared to, you know, get over anything that I had been through. So Coach had the 24-hour rule. That's when men lose a draw. You got 24 hours to celebrate it and then it's on to the next thing. You know, and I live life like that. Uh, sometimes it gets me in trouble because, um, you know, I don't spend enough time in my emotions. Um, uh, but, you know, I was prepared to to attack life, um, you know, attack life head on. Uh, it was the growing into a man that that I needed to do. Because you play a game for your, your entire life that's built off of emotions. Uh, it's strategy, but it's a lot of emotions that are built in. And in life, uh, it's not a lot of it's not a lot of emotions in business, right? right, right. Um, it's a lot of strategy. So, you know, I was there. Uh, there physically uh, came out of prison and I became a car salesman and I sold uh, 20 cars a month for almost 10 years straight. Wow. You know, that, that wasn't a problem um, to to readjust, to be, a, to have money in life. But it was the adapting to life and growing into a man that I, I wasn't prepared for. Um you know, what we fail to realize is every Saturday we, we turn on that TV screen and we see those football players, the college football players out there. Uh, you know, we yip and we yell and we, we root for them, but we don't realize that they're 18 to 23-year-old kids or 24-year-old kids. So there's are still babies, you know. Uh, and that time where, where they're playing football from 18 to 24 is, is – you know, in real life, for the guys that's not playing football, they're actually maturing into man, uh, getting into the workforce and getting into the work field. You know, so if you spend that time uh, still playing, you know, you're spending that time still playing football, uh, where are you going mentally? Uh, and, and how are you prepared mentally uh, to develop, develop into a man? So you either have to do it prior to getting to college or you're going to get a late start afterwards, right? right. Um, and you can't do it prior to college unless you have an example, a good example, right? Um, you know, the culture uh, that, that I grew up in is not too many 
uh, positive, you know, it wasn't too many positive role models that you saw uh, that were business people. And uh, most of your positive role models were athletes or were in some kind of entertainment, singer. Um, um, but your everyday dad that went and, and, and worked 12 hours, he wasn't a rock star in my neighborhood, you know. And that's sad to say, uh, but we need to make it a norm because that's 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 one thing. That's about what ninety five or ninety nine percent of people are going to do. You're going to have a, a regular, you know, nine to five and go get it. And a lot of my friends that have made it to the NFL after the league, you have to have a um, you, you got to you got to have a way to support yourself. And you got to deal with people in in the public. People that have gone through uh, a depression disorder. Um, and, and a true d depression disorder, as you know, uh, is treatable. It's not curable, right? So with that in mind, and you, you've got a great positive attitude, you've, you've learned all these lessons. You were very fortunate to have Coach Saban in your life and continue to have Coach Saban in your life. But on the lines of um, you, you know that uh, you can be prone to uh, the depression side and having been through it. What do you do to keep yourself balanced today? I mean, how do you balance the, you know, the the, the you know the pressures of uh, getting your degree while you're working, while you're supporting a family, while you're being a good husband, while you're being a good father and a mentor? How how do you balance yourself? How do you keep yourself upstairs? You know, between the ears, okay. Well, you got to be mentally. You got to be mentally tough. Uh, but I've got a great support team. Uh, my wife uh, is there for me. My kids are there for me. Uh, I, I, when I spoke earlier, I think Coach Saban never took took uh, the university and me coming back to the university away from him because he know I need it. You know I need it. Uh, you know being able to go back to to the university, being around Ginger, being around the athletic staff, Jeff and uh, Ashley and, and you know, meeting the coaches and just being a part of that culture, uh, to have that is is uh, in itself something that keeps me going. Uh, but day to day, it's uh, providing for my family, having that challenge right there. Uh, and and not to say that I don't have, I still don't have episodes because you know there are days that I get up and I don't I don't feel like going, I don't feel like you know getting it. Um, you know, we joked about it earlier that. You know, the day that it's gloomy or that the sun is not out, or right. it's raining. Or I don't feel good, you know. Uh, and I feel in, I feel that, you know, um, that drowsiness about me. Uh, but being able to, you know, have a great support team around me. Um, my support team know, knows me in and out, you know, and try to try to uh, speak me through the time that I don't recognize that I don't in a certain way or going through a certain thing because you know life in itself uh is a roller coaster you know nobody nobody in life has a perfect I, I promise you i've got friends that have millions uh, of dollars and every day that they wake up uh they have to um you know find a way to to keep right yeah, money, uh, money doesn't buy happiness. The money doesn't buy happiness, yeah. right? It's, it doesn't buy happiness. Right. So I think the the great thing for me 
is being is coming up for coming up in a family uh, where you know it was ten miles to the closest store, so we had to share. We had to uh, learn the seasons and, and know when blackberries were were uh, were coming and know when the plum season was. And we knew how to catfish, and we knew how to braille fish and bag fish, and we knew how to you know to to work the land. You know, so we got happiness. Uh, uh, by loving on each other and it didn't come from money, you know, that's a beautiful uh, thing. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's a lesson in itself to a lot of people, especially the modern generation where, you know, they, they, they live on their phone. Right. I mean, you know, life, right. life is here. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think it speaks a lot to you, Jimmy, that, you know, coming through, that journey where you, you, you know, you, you were in prison and, you know, uh, coach Saban, you know, had to dismiss you and, you know, it, it was a tough time, but, um, the fact that you have that relationship with him, I don't know if, you know, I did a podcast with him, my last podcast with him. And I asked him the question, can you recall somebody, a former player that went through difficult times and came out on the other end and he, you were the example you know, which, uh, I think is, uh, look, it speaks to you. It speaks to your character. It speaks to, you know, understanding mental health. Um, uh, you know, with that, with that on mind, again, speaking to our, our athlete audience, uh, or non-athlete audience, how can coaches and teachers, right? How can they impact the life of an athlete or the life of a young person? You know, with, with mental illness, uh, it's just what it says, the illness. It's not a disorder. It's an illness. It's just like a sickness, a cold, or, or being injured, you know. And over time, it gets better. But you got to work on it. You got to treat it with the right stuff and, and, and uh, care, you know, carry it the, the right way. And I think that's what coaches do, right? Um, just an example from Coach Saban is – you know, every time I see that guy, he kind of refills my cup, right? Um, when you you can be running low, and he's gonna say something, and he's gonna give you some kind of uh, give me some kind of uh, you know positive uh, energy, or give me something that I need, you know. Um, and the relationship that I got with Coach Saban, it, it's a it's a personal relationship, it's a one on one relationship. Uh, Coach Saban really took to me because he knew knew that you know I, I I was a guy that just just needed you know needed the help that did that didn't understand it you know uh and he'll tell you to this day that there's nobody in the, in the world that loved the game more than me uh football but football wasn't wasn't it it was, it was a it was a mental side of it it was a uh just country boy man coming from black top roads and uh, you know, seeing a tar bubble up in the in, on a hot day, and, and you know, going jumping in the creek to, you know, being at the University of Alabama. Um, right. We talk about it all the time. That you know, my my uh, me and my sister, my sister is the first graduation. I mean, first, um, you know, first to ever go to college in, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our family, first generation. So we come from a you know from a from a tight area, tight, uh, tight knit family that just was built off of love and emotion. Uh, we didn't have too many outside 
interferences. And, you know, once uh, once we got adapted to the big world, the real world, I think we're starting to get in there. So, I mean, congratulations again. I mean, I'm, I'm being very sincere. Uh, you know, being able to go back and gradu- graduate in May, that, I mean, that must have been an amazing high for you, going back on, on campus <laughs> and getting that degree. I, I know from talking to Ginger, she saw you, and I, I, I don't know if you saw Coach at that time, but, you know, she was thrilled for you. I mean, I, I, you know, she, she, you know, she and I speak frequently. Um, what, what, what was the uh, drive to go back and get the degree? I mean, where, when did that, when, when did you know you were, you wanted to do it? And then how did you do it? Given the fact that you had the family and a job and, you know, you had to support everybody. Um, you know, you know, when I, when I got, when I, Went through my trouble. Uh, Coach left that door before me. You know, he said, "Hey, you know." And to the to the public, yeah, uh, he kicked me off. All right, he had to do he had to do publicly. Uh, but Coach Saban never turned his back. Never turned his back. Never bad eye. He was, he was, he's always been in Jimmy Jordan's corner. Um, so he left that door open for me. Uh, that whenever I finish, whenever I finish uh, my responsibilities. Um, then, I you know, I can still come back. You know, I'm still a part of the team. I'm still a part of the family. And, you know, I took him for his word, you know, because it wasn't just a, a, a coach um, relationship with me. It was a personal relationship. Uh, when I changed the defense, I used to watch Coach Saber every day. Uh, I mean, I used to meet with him on Sundays. I'm sorry. Meet with Coach Saber on Sunday one-on-one personally and go with defenses and talk life, you know. Um, so when he told me that I could, you know, I could finish my degree, I I believed it. You know, I believed it. And it took it took a while to to get it done. Uh, but throughout those years, I was back. I saw him every year. I, I was uh, in and out of office. I was at A-Day. I was at ball games. You know, so I still had a university. Um, and you know, just the the motivation to you know say I did, you know, uh, for my kids, for my family, but most of all for me. Well, I didn't realize that I was depressed that I still had that on me uh, until I got that degree made of three, uh, made of six. Uh, you know, I've been to three hundred or more speaking engagements over three states: Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. Wow. And, you know, every time I did it, you know, I, I, me personally, I thought I was doing it for the people, for the community. But every time I did something, it was me getting a little piece of me back, you know. Yeah. And it I took did, all of that. That's a beautiful thing. It kind of goes to what I was going to ask you next, which is um, because you're doing all that speaking and like you're doing here and you, and you have to go because, look, it's an inspirational story. It's 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 and, you know. I don't know if, I don't know, maybe story is not the right word, right? It's a, it's your life, right? Your right. Life. It's not a story. It's your life. Um, but at some point, cause you have to go backwards to talk about your life because you went through those pain points and um, you kind of have to relive them. And I understand this personally. And I, and I, I do speak about this, that it's, it's really important to stay in the present, right? To be here now with, with your mind 
as opposed to looking backwards and the mistakes you made and you can't undo them, right? You, you can't right. control it. You can't do it. You just learn. So are you there? Are you, can you stay in the present? So, well, I, I realized something um, a long time ago. Um, you know, we can do a visual right now. You can close your eyes right now and, um, you know, think about uh, any kind of trauma or just think about getting hit in the knee with a, with anything, you know. Right. And you, your body doesn't know, your mind doesn't know the difference, right? Your body does. Your body don't feel it. But your mind, it goes through that trauma. Every time you go back to a trauma situation, you, it's actually reliving, you know. Uh, so to, to stay mentally healthy, you know, you can't live, you can't live in the past, you know, right, right. uh, you can't, you know, you can't, uh, you can't, you know, you can't, can't just, you know, you can't crucify yourself every day. You can't you dwell know? on it. You can't dwell on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because. Yeah, but you, know, you but, but you do know, and you should be proud of this. I mean, you overcame that. Um, you 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 know that you can face adversity because you've done. I mean, I'm talk, talking about the positive aspects of this, right? You you bit you you did it. You overcame it. You faced the adversity. You you learned how to achieve new goals to come out of that, uh, and focus and determine what's important in your life. Um, and and with all that in mind, and now that you've got this new hard-earned degree, what is your path going forward? I mean, what what do you want to do with all that? <laughs> well, that's a heavy uh, question. I know. <laughs> of course, you of course you want to continue to grow. Uh, I want to continue to you know. Uh, I want to continue to grow, you know, and and not to go back, but uh, earlier. You know, while God give I give his toughest warriors his, his toughest uh, mission. You know, so I think that by me going through what I went through, I was able to save a generation. I was able to save my son from, uh, you know, uh, to my, you know, save my son and save a lot of people from going through it. Right. I think he built me strong. So because I I can handle it, you know, and you know, a lot of people got the. I mean, some people have a gift. You know, everybody has a different gift. So, you know, I think that's one of my perseverance and uh, understanding adversity is going to come every day and that we can't live in it. We just got to push through it, you know. Um, you know. Um, well, you've you've mentioned you, you've mentioned some uh, mentors and, um, you know, but with 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 this life journey at the age of 36, um who has inspired you the most in your life? Uh, my mom. You know, my mom, uh, she, she was raised in the air uh, in the deep south. She was married at 16 years old uh, and had five kids. Uh, she dropped out of high school in ninth grade. She's raised all of us. All of us uh, have a great job. Um, and my mom went back to college, and she had three degrees now. One wow. is in welding. Wow. Uh, to see her do that, she served people her whole life. She told me uh, my nickname was Tootie. She said, Tootie, uh, I want you to know something, son. She said, it's good black folk in the world, and it's bad black folk. And it's good white folk, and it's bad white folk. 
she said, treat people all the same, you know. And, you know, that lesson right there is probably why I'm still able to go back to the university because I never treated anybody bad. I never did anybody wrong. She taught me uh, to do right, never taking people. Uh, and that we're going to make bad decisions, you know, and people forgive bad decisions. Uh, but they don't, uh, people don't like bad people, you know. Uh, well, yeah, this, so this, I, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, I was never, you know, never bad seat. I always love people, love uh, fun, would help anybody, would give anybody a shot off my back. And I, I learned that lesson from my mom, you know, and, uh, you know, so yeah, she's one of the most inspirational people in my life outside of that. Uh, Coach Saban, of course, uh, I live by a lesson every day and my wife and my family. Yeah, that's a, you're, you're, you're very fortunate. You're, you're very fortunate to have that love and that support from uh, your family and your mom in particular that you just mentioned and, you know, these coaches. And then, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, your wife and, and your children. Well, I, look, I, I think this has been a great conversation. I, you know, and, and I appreciate your willingness to talk about um, what you've been through and, and where you are now, which is, I think, you know, as important, if not more important, but, you know, I, this purpose here is to, to talk more about it, to get people to understand that, you know, uh, competitive, you know, high achieving athletes where everybody puts up on a pedestal and has all this adulation um, that, you know, they're people too. And we go through trial, you go through trials and tribulations and talking about this, you know, Jimmy, you're, you're helping remove the stigma that's associated with this. And it, it, you know, the more that that goes down, the quicker people can go out there and get treated and get back into their life, right? Whether it's sports or, you know, classroom or their job, right? No, no different than the knee discussion you and I had had earlier. I, I'd like to tell you, you know, you're just by doing what you're doing here. And I know you speak at other places, you're helping people, you're helping these people. And, uh, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I want to thank uh, all of our followers here at Athletes on Balance, and um, please stay tuned for more episodes uh, coming soon. Uh, take care, everyone. I'm Walt Norley, and this is Athletes on Balance. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Athletes on Balance. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please follow us on your preferred podcast app to catch our next episode. Join our community by sharing with an athlete, mental health care provider, or coach in your circle.